Pour one out for Joseph. Will you? Joseph, who, which is my. That's how we got here. How we it's got here. That's how, yeah. I mean, the reason why I am Joe is because my middle name is Jose, and I'm born on March 19th, which is. The Saint, Feast of St. Joseph. It's the Feast of St. Joseph. So that's, yeah. how, that's why I got the middle name. Look at uh, you. Mainly also because my mom did not want me to be a third. So uh, she did not want the Hernando the third. She's like, hell no. I'm not calling him Hernando. So that's where Jose came through. I like that, though. You keep, I like that you keep the first name. There's a tradition there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. the firstborn. But yeah. then that middle name becomes your name. Yeah, the middle name became my name. And then the Hernando is now the middle name for Jacob. Kept the Hernando in there. Hernando's not going away. Right. Also, nobody was going to call me Ernie. Thank you. Of course, my there's dad- certain names that just well, Harry. Well, the reason why my dad's Ernie is because that nobody at IBM could pronounce Hernando. Right. So my my godfather, uh, whose nickname is Punk, not making that up, Menhenet, John Menhenet, uh, gave my dad that nickname. He's like Psh, Hernando. Nah, 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 nah. Ernie. That's what you're going by. So it's basically stuck ever since. So there you go. Let's answer some Hey Joe questions. Joe cracked it. I'm the second, by the way. There you go. From Bain, hey, Joe, why aren't state fans happy at 11-3? and three? Uh, I think it has to do with the ACC losses so far. Uh, losing to Pitt, even though Pitt might be feisty, uh, losing at home to Pitt is not a good look for NC State. Um, going on the road, having a, having a nice lead on Miami, having that vanish, even though Miami is good and it's on the yeah. road. That's something that people will be upset about. But if you really want to get to the heart of it, is that people have made up their mind on Kevin Keats. Straight up. I, I really do not know how else to put it. People have made up their minds with Kevin Keats. They don't think he should be the head coach, so they're going to focus on the negative aspects of the season, the losses, and that'll justify their feelings towards Keats. If he makes the tournament, which is still entirely possible, he'll be good. But if he doesn't, there's going to be some hard conversations had uh, behind the scenes and with fan bases about what to do with Keats. By the way. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the crowd last night? Because that was my like fourth game, and I think that's uh, the best crowd of the season. I, w- I was going to say, I was expecting a worse crowd. Worse. I, w- I was expecting okay. a worse crowd. Um, there was you a- think there was more than... There was from m- up top, did you think there were more than 7,000 people in the building? Yes, there okay. were. There were. I actually thought last night's crowd was pretty decent, all things considering. F- students are gone. It's the week before Christmas, and the team's kind of eh. I didn't expect a good crowd, but it was a pretty decent crowd last night. It's not going to be like tonight at PNC Arena for the Flyers where you're going to see a packed building just before Christmas because, hey, hey, I'm sure like a lot well, of people Philly. know. It's a, well, it's not just that it's Philly. The Canes are beyond that. Oh, the Canes now. are hot. The but Canes no. are hot. People want to be there. Nah, Canes are beyond that. Certain teams. Certain teams. That's what I'm saying. Philly, I don't think the Certain fly- teams are going to rep. I don't think the Flyers the are Rangers like going to rep. Rangers always rep. Islanders are going to rep. Penguins always going to rep. I don't you know don't. If, you don't think the Flyers are going to rep? I don't know the Flyers rep anymore, man. Okay. I, don't I mean, know. they're not hot. I'll be there tonight. So they're we'll not see. hot. No, they're, no. I mean, there could be some Tony D'Angelo weirdos who are there to see the return of Tony. He's going to play though, right? I guess he got he, scratched he's the other been night. Scratched didn't he? a couple times. Yeah. How's that hmm. working out? Who could I'll have seen that coming? No, but you know what? Give credit to uh, Don Waddell. Same thing happened with Alex Nedeljkovic. They mm-hmm. and I. It was a small amount by all, in a relative case, right? Like a half million dollars here, a million dollars there. Where they had these disagreements with Ndelkovic and D'Angelo, and the Canes were right to walk away from it. So you know you, you have to tip your hat to Tom Waddell and Tom Dundon because mm-hmm. it is it is Dundon's spreadsheet. I think we know that. Next up, yeah. 
From Richard, what's the best childhood Christmas present you ever received? Ooh, that's a deep question. It's a hard one. I feel like the question for Jillia would be, what's the Christmas gift you didn't get that you're still holding a grudge over? <laughs> I, I have an answer for that, by the way. What is it? So I had I actually this is when I had a I had a come to Jesus or a come to Santa from my parents because I got in my feelings over the fact that I didn't get a foosball table. Like how I, old were I, you? Oh jeez, I must have been in middle school at that point. Okay. And I went we went to like a family friend's house and they had a foos table foosball table after Christmas and I was like, but I wanted a foosball table and I got a come to Jesus meeting about that. It's like you get good gifts, you you like it, and that's that. So, yeah, that was uh, – I'm trying to think what my favorite – What's the best one you ever got, though? The best Christmas gift I ever got? Yeah. That's the question, right? Yeah. Childhood, childhood one. I mean, it's got to be – it's got to be when I got the Nintendo. Yeah. But it wasn't just – like, because I got a Nintendo late, and that was the one that came with the power pad. Ooh. So I got the Nintendo Entertainment System with the zapper, the gray zapper, by the way, before they changed it to that god-awful orange one to make sure that mom and dad understood it wasn't a real gun. Oh, for Duck Hunt? Yeah, for Duck Hunt. Yeah, so it came, gray. It, came with a, it came with a triple game. So it had Super Mario Brothers, Duck Hunt with the zapper, and then for the power pad, it had the track and field one. Yes. And the, the the trick for the power pad is to not actually use your feet on it. It was to get on your hands and knees and bang it with your hands, with your fists. And that's how you could beat the computer every single time. Yeah, the power pad was, was, was clutch. That was a huge Christmas gift for me back in the day. What would be yours, Julia? I, th- I want to say I was really into baseball cards. And I got a 1984... Um, you you know what a rack pack is? You remember you remember the difference between your cards? A wax pack was the one that came with the gum. Yeah, and it was the single pack, mm-hmm. and it was whatever it was ten cards. Are you, uh, you talking about full box? A rack pack was the three cards, the three in a row, and it was the cellophane wrapping, so you could oh, see the card on yes, top. Yes, yes, yes. I so didn't know that was a, that was. Cool. I got a box of I got a rack pack box okay. of eighty four tops, which. I was fairly happy about in 1985. I think my dad has the entire complete set from 1984. And it's completely worthless. It, it, have all of them, yep. It's worthless? Worthless. Why is it worthless? He's got it in the box. Worthless. Worthless. Why? It's crazy. That's the those from that era, right? When I was that's when that's the prime of me collecting cards. Nine, right. ten, eleven, yeah. twelve. Okay. This is when we had the Mickey Mantle boom from the fifties and the sixties, and everyone was like did your mom, because remember, kids put cards on the back of their bikes. Yes. Their mom threw them away. My dad would actually play a game where you'd throw the card yep. at a wall. Yep. And it'd bend so the corners. that created scarcity. Yes. In the 80s when it was like, oh, you got to make sure you keep your Cal Ripken. Oh, you got to make sure you keep your Don Mattingly. Yeah. Um, then you start getting into the problematic years of Jose Canseco and... Barry see, Bonds. I had, see, I had that one. I and had, Mark McGuire. I had the faux wood paneling. That's 87. That's 87, right? Okay, that's what I thought. And I was always worthless. A, I was a top. All worthless. I was a tops guy, too, because you had Donruss yep. and you had Fleer, but I was always a tops guy. I loved guy. Fleer. They only sold Fleer at the uh, Oakland um, the grocery store, that they don't, the uh, pharmacy they don't have down here. Woolworths. Okay. So when I look at those cards now, Worthless. It's crazy because nobody threw them away. Nobody's mom threw it away. That's and crazy. you also, and I know this. This is let's just hit on a, another one of your favorite points. 
guess what Mickey Mantle was? Like this old white Yankee legend who people, you know, made a really, really big deal out of and, and you know, romanticized. And we don't have that. And this generation didn't have that. No, nah, that's true. That's true. All right, next up. Whoa. All right, next one comes from Goat Manic. Hey, Joe, is Carolina a true Final Four candidate or is it too early to tell? Jillio and I were actually talking about this before the show. I don't. I think this is a trick question. There are no true Final Four candidates. There's. It's. We have to have an honest conversation about the level of talent that we're watching in the ACC and in college basketball in general. And it's kind of worthless to try to compare what we're seeing right now to Carolina with previous Carolina squads. I think we just have to be honest with ourselves about it. I don't think the good teams are as good as the previous good teams, if you will. No. Like, I think Virginia and Virginia Tech are both good teams. I think, and I expect them to finish at the top of the ACC. <laughs> but Virginia Tech just lost to Boston freaking and, college. And Virginia lost on the road to Miami. Yeah. Who, and I think Miami Which is a good team. I don't think that's a, I don't think Miami beating Virginia is a, an but, indictment on, but on, on the Who's. When, when Mike Krzyzewski had hot teams, they didn't go and lose that game. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think, I think that the days of a buzzsaw are over. You look at Houston this year, who I would consider the best team in college basketball. They're going to strangle you on defense, but they're not going to score the way, you know, Corey Maggette coming off the bench in 99 and just dunking on your mouth. Like, that's not going to happen anymore. The idea of, you know, Danny Green coming off of ice because, oh, yeah, look at this little extra piece that we had. You know, we got Wayne Ellington. (laughs) We got Ty Lawson. Oh, yeah, by the way, we got this guy who's about to play in the NBA for 20 years, right? Yeah. I mean, you're not going to see that anymore. So that's where we are. Next up. How you doing? From Steven. Is Keats an eggnog enjoyer or a hot cocoa enthusiast? Well, since Keats loves ice cream, I'm going to go with eggnog. I'm going to go with eggnog. I was going to say, we'll go, I will go the other way. What, hot chocolate? Yeah. Why? Because it's more of like sweet, chocolatey. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he enjoys Desserty. both. Maybe he enjoys both. I don't, you like eggnog. Um, it. Hmm. That is I have a, tri- a hard time with it. That is a tricky question. Process. That is a tricky question. So if you buy store, I I only used to consume eggnog from the perspective of like store bought eggnog. I've had right. homemade eggnog. It's actually pretty legit. And if if you put the good bourbon in it, right, it's actually a pretty which is kind of how it was supposed to be made. Right, that's how it's supposed to be made. Okay. Yeah. Um. So good bourbon will help with that one as well. I wouldn't recommend putting Pappy Van Winkle twenty three in there. Then it becomes a five hundred dollar eggnog. But you know what? Some of us live a little bit differently. Next up. I got a proposition for you. All right, final one from Brian. Hey, Joe, are Mac Brown and Pat Narduzzi copying your full of it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Pete Thamel apparently talked to Drake May, and Drake May said that all that transfer talk and the $5 million NIL deals are all, quote-unquote, rumors. Uh, he went on to say that um, he heard some stuff through the grapevine, quote, some people were texting my high school coach about it. That's mainly what happened. People reached out to some of my representatives and NIL media people, which is what I said last week. Is that tampering or is that just your classic back channel? Hey, hey man. What would you say if? Because coaches go through back channels all the time. I joked about this earlier in the week. Are you telling me that Phil Longo just the day the season ended went, hey, what's Oh, Luke, Luke Fickle just texted me. Oh, there's a job opening. Who knew? Nah, Phil Longo knew what the deal was. So here's what won't happen. Here's what won't happen. Drake May was put in this position by who? 
Drake May was put oh, in a position the, the to talk Most to Pete Thamel. Certainly Narduzzi. To put not just Narduzzi, oh, his, his own, coach. own freaking coach. Mac Brown on Monday got this started when he talked about tampering with. Oh, he was offered stu- such and such and such stuff, which leads to two questions. One, well, who's offering this money, and then. What kind of money was offered to him to stay? Which Brian Murphy, our guy over at WRAL, talked to one of the NIL collectives at North Carolina. That'll be up on WRAL.com here soon about how Drake May was taken care of. Huh. So I blame the coaches. The coaches are responsible for the ridiculousness that's going on here, and they won't have any responsibility for it. COG, alongside Joe Giglio, I'm Joe Ovias. We are counting down. In the final show, we're all together. The top six OG moments of 2022. Number six was us being right about Matt Rule from the jump. Number five is another thing we're really good at. Uh, Annoying people in the ACC. We'll explain next. Well, the economics to me um, is a secondary role from our position relative to CFP guys. Yeah, I've been really clear about that. Mm. Um, we're not opposed to expansion. We want answers to the health and safety, number of games that we're asking our student-athletes to play, the impact on the academic calendar, all of the issues, again, that, that I, I just have said. So that's uh, Jim Phillips, ACC commissioner, who joined us back in March at the ACC tournament. And we uh, we, we upset uh, ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips, uh, and we we haven't talked to him since. Not not for lack of trying. I actually reached out to the ACC about getting Jim Phillips on when we were out in Charlotte for the ACC football championship. So uh, as we count down the top six OG moments of 2022, this is number five, uh, our relationship with ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips. For full context of what happened back in Brooklyn for the ACC tournament, I would say would you say hounded the ACC to get Jim Phillips on as an accurate portrayal? No, we respectfully asked at the beginning of the week. Actually, we asked before we got there. Well, we got we asked before we got there, and then while we're there, we're seeing Jim Phillips. I mean, he's literally while in the we're room. there, we noticed that he is next door to us, literally in the next room to yeah. us. You know, where we broadcast in the Barclays Center was right next door to ACC yeah, no, tournament no, hound HQ. Is not correct. I've I've hounded people before. Okay, I just we didn't hound. We, we gently we, reminded. Hey, hey, he's asked, got time. And then he's we got would, time. Then we would time. see him. And then it was we would see him the next day. Then yeah. again, we were the only ones there. It's not so. It's not like you got to go and do like this radio row where you're going to be bothered by forty five different stations or, mm. or take up your whole afternoon. Um, we we wanted ten minutes. So when we talked to the ACC and they said, "All right, we'll get Jim Phillips on, cool," but it's going to be on the phone. We're like, "All right, fine, whatever." So we taped it. And full disclosure, they were said, hey, uh, no need to talk about the college football playoff because he said everything that needs to be said about the college football playoff. So don't ask him about the college football playoff. And I was like, this was me talking. This was, this was me. I said, well, yeah, I don't plan on asking him anything about the college football playoff. Because what's he going to say, right? I mean, honestly, like, what's he going to say? I want to I say, all right, you know, ACC tournament, you know, where's the, what's the future of the tournament? He's done the listening tour, all that stuff, right? But in the context of the conversation that we had with Jim Phillips, what came up, Joe? Revenue. He brought it up. From the playoff. He brought it up. Yeah. So you. But it was a question about, remember at the at the ACC tournament, before the ACC tournament, we had done a lot of hand-wringing about how many ACC teams are going to get into the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And Jim Beheim was asked before his tournament availability, 
you know, hey, is there anything the commissioner can do to help you? Mm -hmm. And Jim Beheim said, no, that is not Jim Phillips's job. We don't need help from Jim Phillips. And so I set up the question and framed it in such a way like, this is what Jim Beheim said. What do you think? And in his answer, he had said part of us improving our revenue obviously is going to be tied to football and the playoff. So, yeah. So here's the here's here's the interaction. If you're going to really move the ACC forward financially, it'll be driven by football. Mm. And so that, that's, that's not a, you know in any way a slight to men's basketball or women's basketball. That's just the economic piece that you're, you're yeah. asking about. And, um, and so there has to be a balance. It can't just be all football and certainly can't just be all men's and women's basketball. There has to be a, uh, a balance based on what your goal is. And if the goal is, you know, to look at it strictly from a financial standpoint, then you'll make some decisions that'll tip it or give you a better chance to tip it towards that area for having success. So there was a follow-up there. He didn't like the fact that the college football playoff came up because it was, he, he almost thought that we were like blaming him for the fact that the college football playoff uh, had been delayed. When, if anything, you and I actually defended the ACC, defended Jim Phillips in what they were doing because that was the only option they had. And that upset the, that upset Jim Phillips, that upset the ACC, and, I mean, I got yelled at. So it is what it is. So we didn't talk to Jim Phillips until July at the ACC kickoff, uh, and you had your hand up for how long, you would it's say? Like 48 minutes. Yeah you, yeah, you had your hand up for 48 minutes, and at, at, they finally got around to you after – uh, a, a long press conference, and, and here's the interaction with Gilio and, and Jim Phillips. Joe Gilio from WRL. How are you, Jim? Um, your sincerity and the belief in the collegiate model is obvious. I don't think anyone can question that. Uh, but in fairness to you, we are going to be critical of that because it does seem a bit old-fashioned. Do you think this attitude still works in 2022 and that it will still work in the next five to ten years for the ACC? as you get lapped financially by the Big Ten and the SEC. We owe it to those kids, Joe. I, I, this is no time to be waving a white flag on that. And I'm not trying to be Pollyannish about it because I, I live in the real world in the real time just like all of us do, and times change and move. But for us to ignore the affordability and access and opportunity that it provides to young people I think that would be a huge mistake, huge mistake. And I'm okay with living in different neighborhoods. That, that's not my point about you got to be in the gated community. My point is the community is best when all neighborhoods are healthy, all of them. Some will never reach 25 or $30 million in revenue to provide for their athletics department. But that doesn't mean they don't deserve to be a part of it, to barter the system. So that's Jim Phillips, uh, ACC commissioner at ACC kickoff. Uh, the eyebrows that were raised when you said uh, lapped uh, got some people – I got the people going. I actually ended up talking to Jim Phillips after that situation about grant of rights. So this is when I went back to being good cop, bad cop. Y yeah, you're mostly the good cop. There's only one instance in the history of this program yeah. that you've been the good cop <laughs> and I've right. been the bad cop, and that's when we talked to Chris Beard, who just wanted to talk about Texas basketball – um, I'm sure he would. I prefer that right now. Yes, I, I, I'm sure he would prefer that right now too. All things considered, so I ended up talking to Jim Phillips in a scrum and uh, went. I, got, I think I got back in his good graces by 
saying, hey, so the grant of rights, what are we doing here? Why does everybody act like the ACC is about to fall apart? You have a grant of rights. And he joked. He's like, have you been in the meetings? I didn't tell him that there was one instance in which Gilio did get invited to a consultant call about where the ACC offices were headed, which ended up being in Charlotte. So I'd we've like had to thank Newmark. We had a we had a hell of a year with ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips. Let's see if things will get better in 2023.